Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Golf Show with Brian Katrick. He's been the talk of the course today with his huge drives. And Ollie Dean. I really am rugging the kids. All right. It's early Sunday morning. The sun is coming up. I'm on the tee at 7. I'm here to try my luck. They say this game's a tough one, but I'll give it my best shot. Though the bunkers look like beaches and the greens like parking lots. Oh, Lord. Big match coming up, fellas. Gonna beat me in the caddy. What am I gonna do? Why don't you try him a little left? And why don't you try backing up? Give me just a little room. Help me keep my head down. Save me from those double bogey blues. Golf requires goofy pants and a fat ass. You know, you don't deserve any credit hitting the ball with that swing of yours. Try to hit one with my swing. I'm catching on the ball, right? Moving my head, I'm laying it off. Well, that too. I'm pronating. When you're not shooting me, I'm clearing too early. I'm clearing too late. My God, my swing fell like an unfolded lawn chair. Step right up, folks. See if you can outdrive the amazing golf ball uh, whacker guy. Help me keep my head down. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole. Save me from those double bogey blues. What a Sunday morning it is. Happy Sunday morning to you. We are live from the Eastlake Golf Club. It is a wonderful spot. The Tour Championship. FedEx Cup hangs in the balance. Along with Ali Dean, I'm Brian Katrick. Derek Thomas never gets to go anywhere cool. He's back in the studio. Uh, big day of college football yesterday. Big day of pro, uh, medium-sized day of pro football today. Medium-sized day. Medium-sized. Right? Yeah, and they're they're gonna play. There's no. There's not even one game, Derek Thomas. Uh no, not yet. Not even a preseason game. That's why we do a golf show, no, right? Sorry, no. That's why yeah, we no, do a golf show. Yeah, NFL kicks off on Thursday. Yeah. Okay. Zero, and a then, very small size day in the I think NFL. There's another college football game. Yeah, there's today. more college Good. football. And Notre Dame, Florida football. State tonight, a couple other games, yeah. All right. Can't wait for that. Could there be a better venue to do a golf show from than right here at Eastlake? We are adjacent the tenth tee. We are staring at the clubhouse. Uh, we cannot actually see East Lake from here because of the build out around the eighteenth green. It is a glorious Sunday morning. The sun is rising. The dew is still on the grass. We are in a great spot, and we're loving it. Much better spot than the American Solheim Cup team. Uh, the American Solheim Cup team down three points immediately. Yesterday was the opening round. They're going to finish tomorrow. I like that. I like the Monday finish. Yeah. So uh, the alternate shot on Friday morning goes poorly, or Saturday morning goes poorly for the Americans. Uh, they split the afternoon session. I love how uh, some of the analysts were saying, oh, the Americans closed things up. They, they tightened it up a bit. They split the session. Yeah, 2-2. Two, two. I'm not sure how that closes a gap. They didn't close the gap at all. No. They just scored some points for a change. They did shore up the gap, maybe, but they didn't close they it. They stopped the bleeding, Yeah. but they lost a lot of blood. No, that's why we're not journalists. The journalists? Journalists. 
Come on, Derek. you got to mean it. Yeah, yeah, we need more enthusiasm out of the home office there. They're on the golf course at Inverness right now, and it's still, you know, obviously, it's a three-point European lead. Forsens again this morning, right? Yes, the alternate shot. That's it's what you know the civilized people call it. Um, and Europe leading in two of the matches, the Americans leading in one match, and the other match is, uh, is tied right now. So, so they're continuing to close the gap. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> could lose another session and maybe close the gap a little bit. <laughs> it's interesting math. That's the new math. <laughs> That's the new math. Yeah, so they close the gap a bit in the afternoon. By what? <laughs> Tying? <laughs> well, there was, there was some. Was there something that happened in an afternoon session that we may talk about? We are at Eastlake. They're going to hand out the FedEx Cup and $15 million later today. We've got the Ryder Cup captain's picks that are going to be made Wednesday. Lots of Ryder Cup news. We've got a former number one player in the world that's hurt. Another former number one player in the world. Well, he's not number one in the world, but guy playing the wrong holes here. Uh, we got the hottest player in the world that's winning. we got a scoring system that everybody wants to complain about. we got great guests lined up. But the top story is the Solheim Cup, the number one story of the day. Nelly Korda playing with Austin Ernst. Madeline Sagstrom playing with Nana Kurtz. I forget what her last name is. Uh, Nana. She's playing with Nana. And they, uh, they're they on the 13th hole. Europeans are in for birdie at this point. It's a par five. Par five. Nelly has reached it in two. She's got a chance at eagle. Got a chance at eagle. I think the match may have been all square at the time. It was all square. Nelly hits an eagle putt. What would you say? 30 feet? 20 feet? 30 feet downhill. Okay. Right to left break. Hard right to left break at the big, end. Big move to the left. Hits the putt. It's way out to the right, but it's coming. In the last couple feet, it really turns hard left, and, and it gets to about 2.30 on the well, about one between one thirty and 2 o'clock on the clock. Which definitely is past 3 o'clock. Definitely past 3 o'clock on the clock. Takes a hard left and sits on the edge of the cup. Outside the hole. Outside the hole. Ball barely overhanging the but, hole. But very clearly overhanging the hole. Depends on what TV shot you looked at, what picture. One dimple is overhanging the cup, and we get way more than one dimple. Three dimples, maybe. It was close. Three dimples is three times one dimple. Fair enough. New math again. We're like closing it. the gap. <laughs> we are, we're closing the gap. But that's not controversial. Why would that be the lead story of the week? Shouldn't be controversial at all. So what happened next? What happened next was that Madeline Sagstrom sprinted in. From the left fringe. Exaggeration. She stretched. We saw her stretching the hamstrings out. She sprinted in. In her Usain Bolt impression is what you're saying. Full Usain Bolt. Sprints in from the left fringe and picks up Nellie Corda's ball, which is sitting on the edge of the hole, which could have fallen in. I thought you said she dove for it. She dove for it. it. You're right. I forgot. Like a goalie (laughs) in the Premier League. She dove for it. Stopped the ball from moving. Kennesaw State guy made a diving interception. It was one of the most spectacular catches you've ever seen. It would have been just a fantastic uh, moment to, to have gotten to watch in person. Diving catch. wasn't just an interception, as you may have heard. It was a diving interception. That's what, that's what Madeline said. She dove in. She slid headfirst. Sacrificed her body. A la Pete Rose. <laughs> <laughs> all right, in all reality, the ball stopped overhanging the cup. And and Madeline Sagstrom walked in and picked the ball up. It's not her ball. Not her ball. Said it's good. Picked it up. Tossed it to Nelly. 
Ball could have fallen in the hu- in the hole. Not in a million years. You don't know that. Not, well, maybe in a million and one, but not in a million. It was not going to. Gravity still exists. It was not going to fall uphill. The last two inches of that putt, that ball was going toward that hole. And then it passed the hole, so it was on the low side of the hole. But it didn't pass the hole. It hadn't gotten past the... It, it was overhanging the cup. <laughs> By a dimple. Yeah, it's past 3 o'clock, but what if it's going left from there? It, it was a downhill putt that got past the center of the hole. It was not going to fall uphill. What if it hit a footprint or a spike mark? Okay. The ball a, was overhanging the cup. A grub worm could have popped out of the green at that point and knocked it in. So, yes, there is a chance. So... That is the central part of this debate is there, there is no question the ball was overhanging the cup. There was question at the time. But you watch the replay. There's no question. There's no question that it was less than 10 seconds. No question at all. Yes. It, it was one second before she took a step for the ball. She actually got to it in seven seconds. No, and that was an official timing of the one second because you were at one Mississippi and you didn't get <laughs> through did, the full Mississippi. All right, fair enough. Fair <laughs> that enough. was the Ollie Dean timing. You, it was like six and a half. You went with seven, so I'll compromise. I'll give up the she waited one second before she moved. Yeah, so, so and the rule for those who don't know is the player that hits the putt has a reasonable amount of time to approach the hole and then 10 seconds if the ball is overhanging the cup. Why do they have that rule? Because... The ball overhanging the cup, you're not allowed to hit a moving ball. And the ball, at some point, you have to determine that it's not ruling. You just have to make an arbitrary line in the sand and say, after this amount of time, the ball is not moving. We know we could have left that ball there. It was a very windy day, by the way. It did get windy in the afternoon. It was windy, very windy as they had the discussion about it. Everybody's hair was blowing. At some point, some outside factor, not an outside agency because that's a whole other rule, could have caused that ball to fall in the hole. But we can't wait there all day just no. because it's overhanging the cup. So they had to draw a line, and that's the rule they wrote years ago. A reasonable amount of time to re- approach the hole, which in this case she's walking 25, 30 feet, and then 10 seconds. If you want to groan about it for a second, that is included in reasonable amount of time. You want to stop and tie your shoes. Yes, and it, it almost went in. So Nellie did fall to her knees yes and so there was the groaning i can't believe that didn't go in yes so there was clearly that would be included in the reasonable time to get to the hole so madeline sagstrom picks up the ball uh the referee for the match comes in and says they haven't walked to the next tee yet she says hey hold up we gotta we gotta take a look at this that ball was overhanging the cup i am the referee in the match you can stay over there in the shade if you want then. If you don't want any part of this, I get it. Uh, I don't blame him. I don't blame him either. Uh, referee says, hey, that ball is overhanging the cup. You got to it too early? Yeah, I'll, I'll take a brief exception here because I think in there's such an important part of delivering the rule to the player so that there's not controversy. And I did think that the rules official did a poor job. She simply said... You move the ball within 10 seconds, therefore you lost the hole. That was her original statement. And then, of course, the Europeans are like, what are you talking about? We give putts all the time. We don't wait 10 seconds to do that. And then she said, 
well, it was overhanging the hole, wasn't it? And then the Europeans said, we didn't think it was overhanging the hole. Yes. So I think she would have come up and said, we deemed the ball to be overhanging the hole. Based on that, you did not give the 10 seconds before you tossed the ball away. I think that would have ended a little bit of this controversy. Now, the people on Twitter and the people going crazy on social oh. media, it wouldn't have mattered at all. But I do think that it's important that these rules officials deliver the message clearly, succinctly, and cover everything that they're ruling on, she which did not happen. She, Damn it. she definitely backed off. You, about the only thing you can argue in, in most, most sports with an official is positioning. And you could easily have argued with her, hey, you were over there. Madeline Sagstrom was right next to the green when she did her Usain Bolt sprint to pick up the ball. Her Premier <laughs> League dive. She too. was clearly the closest human being to that golf ball. Surprised she didn't was, scuff up the green the way she was jumping in there, oh my sliding goodness. in. She yeah. looked like yeah, she was sliding into third on a triple. Exactly, Derek Thomas. Thank you for pointing that out. So we're exaggerating there, but she did come in very quickly, and she was clearly the closest human being. So the referee, she wasn't an official; she's the referee Correct. with the match. There's a huge distinction in a person that's administrating the rules in stroke play and in match play. It is the referee's duty. I'm going to read you what the rules say about the referee in match play and what the distinction is. When a referee is assigned to a match, he or she must act on any violation he or she sees or is told about. Must act. You don't wait for Jordan to come over and say, hey, I need cart path relief. You walk right up to Madeline and say, that ball was overhanging the cup. You picked it up too early. She wins the hole. Yes. And if it would have been that demonstrative and that clear, I think it would have... It would have eased some of the tension and the confusion afterwards. So she walks up. She says sort of that. And then the Europeans say it wasn't overhanging the hole. And she's like, oh, well, it wasn't? Yeah. <laughs> and that's where Oops. things start to go a little sideways. Let me, let me check on that. Yes. Let me get on the radio. It was good of her to get on the radio. It was. And once they got on the radio, they're looking at it on TV. Again, you could see it. It was very, very clear. The ball was overhanging the cup. One dimple. That's all you need. So, afterwards, this obviously – the Americans won the match. Took the lead there. They won, won the match. Yeah. They actually got a point. And so that was when they were writing they the were ship. They were closing the gap. They were yeah. closing the gap. Yeah. <laughs> they actually won a point. The post-round comments is where – I, I just shake my head. <sighs> from the players or from everybody else? Because, from everybody. Because I wasn't that upset with the players. Um, but I was upset with everybody else. Madeline Sagstrom said, wait, we're playing in the United States. That's one part of what she said. She also w- what said, are we talking about? Hold on a second. What she said was, I didn't think the ball was going to go in. I didn't think it was overhanging the hole. I believe in sportsmanship. If I thought there was a chance it would have gone in, I would have never picked it up. All fair I broke, And hold on. And I broke a rule and I got penalized and I feel bad because I let my team down. I'm going to try and play well tomorrow to make it up. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying any of those things. No, that's absolutely right. So where did, and we're playing in the United States. Why do I got to hear that they're Big Ten officials? Apparently. Why, why the, do I care? Apparently <laughs> the crowd late in the afternoon became a little belligerent towards the European team after that incident. The crowd didn't so, make this ruling? No, I'm not saying that, but I, I think that could understandably taint your opinion at the end of a round. A very it, emotional situation. It wasn't the right thing to say. She said all the other right things to say. Uh, granted, I'll give you that. Uh, and by the way, Nelly Corda. And Austin Ernst, they didn't say the right things. Was it Austin Ernst? Pretty no, sure. it wasn't Austin Ernst. It wasn't Austin Ernst. It was Allie Ewing. Yeah, it was Allie Ewing. Sorry. Uh, Sorry, we're not journalists. Der- journalists? Derek. Journalists? Uh, 
He's <laughs> not the best color guy Nelly in the Cord- business for nothing. <laughs> well done, Derek. <laughs> Nelly Cord is talking about her integrity being questioned. Yeah. Nelly, you hit a putt. The yeah. other the competitor went and broke a rule. You're why are we even talking to you? Yeah, and this is this is what I hate about how this kind of develops when one of these things happen. Is to your point, Nelly spent more time defending the fact that she didn't go to the rules official, the referee, that the referee came to them. She shouldn't be in a position to, to have to justify anything. At the end of the day, she did nothing wrong. C- completely inconsequential. There was a rules infraction. The referee made a call on it. You move on. You go to the next hole. And then you get all these knuckleheads that are saying that the Americans should have conceded the next hole to make things right. Where did that come from? It's nonsense. She broke a rule. Yeah. A rule was broken. A call was made. That's like saying, I don't really think we held that lineman. So we're just going to take a knee, make everything yes. equal on this next. Nobody does that, right? Yeah, that wasn't pass interference. So we're just going to we're going to take the a ball knee. We're the ground. going to take a knee. Yeah, yeah, let it be. That doesn't third make sense. And, third and seven. But I think that's the challenge of of a, a sport where, especially in stroke play, you're responsible for monitoring and administering the rules yourself. And then we have an outside agency like the referee comes in. Then everybody starts talking about sportsmanship and what's the right thing to do. At the end of the day, a rule was broken. There was a ruling on that rule being broken by the referee of the match. That's it. Move on. Yeah. Uh, and, that, and that's where you go back to some of the other things. We joke about Madeline Sachs from diving in there. You took a ball that could have fallen in the hole off of the edge of the hole. One in a million. It wasn't one in a million. You watch the end of that putt. Watch the last two inches of that putt. Watch that's the why end of the Caddyshack. Rule- Watch the end of Caddyshack. Yeah. Perfect example. Yeah, there was Derek. no construction next door. <laughs> we don't know that. Dynamite was not being used. Watch the end of the, the ball putt. was not going into the cup. You broke a rule. But that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The rule does not say the ball has to be moving. The rule doesn't say if it's overhanging the cup, it, it has to have a 50-50 chance or a 90-10 chance of going in. The rule's clear. If it's overhanging the cup and you move the ball without the waiting period being delivered to the player that putted the ball, it's good, and, and that's it, and we should move on. And we've all made that joke in a match somewhere. <laughs> a guy has hit one that was either even close to the hole. Run up there and grab it before it goes in. We've all made that joke. Oh, yeah. I promise you Madeline Sagstrom has made that joke. Certainly. She was not making that joke, but she has made that joke. She walked up there. She did the wrong thing. It cost her team the match. I don't know. She's Swedish. Do they joke around in Sweden? <laughs> We're going to take a break. It's the number one story in the game of golf. When we come back, a, a rules expert's going to join us. But he is not talking about this because he is also the executive director of the Georgia State Golf Association. They are here at East Lake. They've got some stuff going on for the kids not too far away from us. And, and we're not throwing Matt Vanderpool under the bus. No, we won't do that. Matt Vanderpool understands that Madeline Sags from cheated. Cheated. Oh, you didn't throw out. Oh, come on. We're not throwing him under the bus. Oh, he didn't say that. Look him over there. Oh, your European bias just came through (laughs) once again. It's the golf show. I don't know what we're yelling about. Live from Eastlake, final round of the Tour Championship. It's the golf show on the fan, 680 and 93.7 FM. And now it's time for Who's Driving? Brought to you by Ray Judice. If you're facing DUI charges, you need a DUI lawyer who will step up to the T for you. Call Ray Cell at 404-964-4185 to schedule an appointment. I love Ray Judice. Let me just tell you that. I haven't seen him in a couple of months. Maybe more than that. Uh, it's always Bryson or Tiger. Tiger or Bryson. That's who's driving. Well, it was Bryson. 
par 5, 18th, East Lake. Bryson decides he's not playing up the 18th fairway because there's water in play. He's probably, he can't hit driver. Can't hit driver. It's a 330-yard run out. That's too much. That's uh, not enough. He, he needs more room. So he decides to play it up the 10th fairway. Old school Atlanta East Lake folks. This isn't, you know, you know where he's playing. It's from the 9th. He's going to try to play it up the first fairway. But his intent is to play it up the 10th fairway, way left. Well, he pulls it left. He's left of the 12th green, the 11th green. I'm really bad with math. I had it when it was two. Uh, so he's uh, he misses it. Miss the ball is gone by the time he gets up there. Gone. It's gone because he's the second to last group. There's no one on 11 or 12 Somebody anymore. picked it up. Somebody picked the ball up. Souvenir from Tour Championship. And uh, they give him a drop because they determined it's just not his fault. Somebody stole the ball. And he knocks it on the green from there. Bryson in, not even caring about hitting it in the 18th fairway, trying to play it up 10. That's, so that's he misses drop. the fairway technically. I know his intent was to miss the fairway. Yes. But he misses it by two holes. Yes. Still knocks it onto the green, two putts for verdict. Yes. That's pretty impressive. Brilliant. We're wondering, and uh, I think Paul Easinger on the broadcast was wondering, is there going to be a Hinkle tree uh, planted between now and next year? Is it going to be one between last night and today? You know you're a powerful organization if you can plant a tree in the middle of a golf tournament like the USGA did. 1979 U.S. Open. Inverness. Lon Hinkle played the uh, 17th up what? Eight? Yeah, or played eight. the eight up 17? 17 like up eight, I think. Yeah, one of the two. And uh, they put a tree in the way. <laughs> right next to the tee box. That's how in you do it. In the middle of a tournament. Yes. You put it right next to the tee. Don't screw around trying to figure out where he's going to land it. Put it right next to the tee so he can't start it there. <laughs> so there could be a Brooksy tree on 18. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'm sorry. You're going to have to leave. I'm going to have to leave. Here's my credential. Our next, I have been kicked out. <laughs> our next guest is the executive director of the Georgia State Golf Association, Matt Vanderpool. Good morning. Good morning, BK. How are you? What are you guys doing at Eastlake? We are having a lot of fun this morning. So for the last six years, we've had a Junior Skills Challenge Championship here. Uh, Before the final round, we have eight to ten qualifiers throughout the year to qualify 60 young men and women, 30 boys, 30 girls, to come here, have a little skills championship. They do a pitch, a chip, and a putt, and they score points, and we award some medals, but... uh, you know, just an awesome way for us to continue to grow the game and, and engage a lot of young golfers. I mean, this is such a wonderful atmosphere to, to be at and then to, to have, you know, 60 young men and women be able to come out here with their parents, their friends, their grandparents. Uh, to have that type of an experience before the final round of the Tour Championship is, is an unforgettable experience for them. That's a, awesome. A pitch, a chip, and a putt. Correct. So they're learning. The driving range is, is being used. So yeah. they can't do a drive. <laughs> and they're learning at a young age the difference between a pitch and a chip. They are. I love they that. Are. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we set up the three different skills. So, you know, the pitch is kind of in a, a longer rough situation, and the chip is a little bit of a tighter lie uh, to some of the different hole locations. So, yeah. Yeah, just trying to continue to, again, you know, just give them some different opportunities. Uh, this is, this, you know, very unique to be able to get to do something like this out here. Very cool. Do you do this on the practice area or you do this on one of the holes on the golf course? Yeah, so there is a short game practice area between 14, 15, and 16, kind of that little triangle there. And uh, so we utilize one of those greens for this skills shop competition. And then we actually do a fan putting experience on that same green uh, Wednesday through Sunday in the afternoons for all the fans that come out to watch the golf. They can come over and actually we set up three holes there where they can putt and see exactly what the pros are, are putting on uh, on the golf course. 
course. You know, uh, Ralph Couple and his staff obviously have the golf course in wonderful condition again this year. And, you know, everybody always wonders, you know, what's it, what's it going to be like for the players out there? And they actually get that experience over in the So Cool Zone. So you have how many children here? We have right at 60. Not as well. 30 boys and 30 right. girls, age 5 to 13. The Vanderpool kids are just dominating big, over there. It's a big family. <laughs> Next to the So Cool Zone. Sorry, Allison, I left this in the sun. And I don't want this to be hot. Uh, putting championship. you got something new going on. Georgia PGA and the GSGA getting together with the folks over at Bobby Jones. I just signed up for this. I'm excited about it. What do we need to know? Yeah, so October 31st, we're going to be utilizing the Dan Yates putting course over at Bobby Jones Golf Course to have a true statewide putting championship. So a lot of people think they can putt. We're going to see if they can putt. Uh, I know you've been over there to, to play that. It's it's kind of a, a Himalayas concept of you know a lot of undulation on the putting green. Uh, a really cool concept over there if you haven't been. But uh, yeah, we're gonna you know have some folks come out and and you know see who's gonna be the best putter in the state. You know, hopefully when we get down to it, we've got you know a PGA Tour player going up against uh, an eight-year-old. You, you know, I mean that would be ideal. I mean, you know. When you think about the game, you know, driving distance and other ability, like, you know, anybody can step up and make a 15-footer. So, yeah, we, we think it's a fun concept and something that we're going to try out, and hopefully it'll only continue to grow from here. Now, how do I sign up for that if I want to participate? Yeah, so you can go to gaputtingchamp.com, uh, which is a website that we've set up for it. You can see all the details and click on the button to register. It's a $50 entry fee. It comes with a nice favor package from a lot of uh, partners that we have. Uh, with the event, and uh, yeah, we're starting to sign people up. There's an open division. You can sign up as a team, a mixed team. There's several different ways that you can participate. GSGA.org. Are we finished with state championships for the year? Absolutely not. What are we left with? Well, we've got several left. Publinks? Publinks is coming up this week. We've got our senior championship, our senior super senior four ball, uh, our, our women's team championship, or women's team tournament, I should say. Uh, so, yeah, still uh, still got a little bit of, of time left on competitions. Got a few of our interstate team matches that we do on the men's and women's side with uh, Alabama, Florida, and South Carolina. So, yeah, still, uh, still a busy schedule. Kind of run through November. And the Junior Skills Challenge going on right now over at East Lake. It's a little late to sign up for that. A little late to sign up, but uh, we're certainly – uh, very blessed to be able to be out here, and thanks to Allison and her team for allowing us to be out here again this year. Yes. I wanted to ask, how impactful is it to your organization to have a championship of this caliber here in the state? Yeah, the, the skills challenge? No, the tour championship in general. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, this is the culmination of a long PGA Tour season. Uh, you know, just to be able to have a, an event of this scale really in Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta is such a great golf community. Uh, we have, you know, our organization has 80,000 members across the state. Roughly half of them are here in the metro Atlanta area. So to be able to have an event like this out here at a historic club like East Lake Golf Club, I mean, it, it doesn't really get any better than that, I don't think. You know, the history here with Bobby Jones, Bobby Jones won the first Georgia Amateur back in 1916, so there's a lot of synergies between our organization and East Lake Golf Club. But, uh, yeah, I mean, to be able to do some things like this, the putting experience that we do in the afternoons, to be able to engage a lot of golfers, have conversations with them, uh, it's, it's priceless, really. Well said. Well done. We appreciate you doing the good work, as always. GSGA.org. Join the Georgia State Golf Association. A lot of you already are members of the Georgia State Golf Association. You may not even know it. That's right. So check them out, gsga.org. Uh, go handle the kids. I think I hear some screaming over there. All right. Thanks, BK. Thanks for being here, you. Yep. Matt Vanderpool, the executive director of the Georgia State Golf Association, he just fist bumped one of my favorite. I think she's my favorite person on the property right now.
Sorry, Ollie. Well, she's my favorite person on the property, too. <laughs> yeah. So no apologies. No necessary. fighting. No fighting. Allison Fillmore. She is the executive director of the Tour Championship. She's also our Ray Judice interview of the month. And uh, looking wonderful in red this morning. Ollie's got the red. we got the red tablecloth. It's Championship Sunday. you got to wear the victory red. It is. It's Sunday reds. I mean, what else would I be wearing? Come on now. Look, look at look at He's just Stuart Sink is walking and by. And Stewie. <laughs> What's up, Stuart? Good luck today, Stuart. <laughs> uh, we love Stuart. Atlanta has now shown up because Sung J.M. is already here. Yes. Uh, so the, the Atlanta residents in the field, all getting here early just in case there's traffic. Just in case, because there's a lot of traffic right now in downtown. I love that. <laughs> well, you never know. A lot going on in downtown. The, the, a lot going on. That's, and you're, you're not joking. No. Dragon Con, college football, you name it. It has been, uh, I've, I've been told many times that it was very loud at our hotels this morning. Early, early morning. Yes. So. Two college football kickoff games. Correct. I liked it. I've liked it in years past when you had a, you know, somewhat smallish. You don't really have too many small schools, but a conservative school with a conservative fan base would show up in Atlanta for the kickoff game. Not and, anymore. And Dragon Con is in town, right? You know, yeah. there's 150 stormtroopers in your lobby. Boise State would be a good example. <laughs> Boise State. How do you think the up? people from Idaho <laughs> felt when they showed up and checked into the hotel next to Poison Ivy and Darth Vader? Oh my gosh, we had our player hotel in one of those hotels, and we ended up moving it because I said to myself. Couldn't see Rory McElroy getting in an elevator with a stormtrooper and riding up. I think he would be a little freaked out. I, it, I think he might have handled. I don't know okay. about that. Yeah, he I might not like, have slept well though. Yeah, probably not. I would like to probably have seen not. that. How is the tournament going for you this week? Tournament's going really well. I'm going to knock on wood right here. Um, it has been fabulous, fabulous weather, exciting golf, great fan experience. Uh, our charitable partners are happy. We had an awesome uh, event on Wednesday. Our charity challenge with Mariah Stackhouse, Justin Rose, work done, and Andrew Jones. That was really exciting. We are ready to crown a champion at Eastlake. I was not in town for that. I love that the tour has done those the last year and a half or so. They've been very entertaining. Who won? I got to know who won. I know that it was Mariah. Mariah had Warwick done, right? Yes. And then Justin Rose had Andrew Jones. Andrew's not as accomplished a golfer as Warwick. You know, it's really not important who won. It is. What's important is did it impact the community? All right. It sure did. You know what? We'll leave it at that. $1.385 million raised by the Atlanta community for that event. That's great. Congratulations. Absolutely. Thank you. And I had a chance to come out yesterday, and I went by the activation area. I saw what you were doing with the first tee. Isn't that neat? What a cool activation. I loved the kids hitting the painted golf balls onto the mural, and I understand the first tee is going to take that and take it around to different sites. Just a great activation. Absolutely, and that was brought to life by Southern Company. They partnered with the first tee as they're a great partner with them. And giving away free snow cones inside there for the kids. Cone. I oh, mean, kids you might have been that. a little bit uh, old, older than their demographic. They, they probably thought I didn't need a snow cone. <laughs> Uh, but you've got the Georgia Aquarium in there. I know my daughter was here yesterday. Got a picture with a snake. Got a picture with a turtle. There's a lot of great things in that so cool zone for everybody. And for the parents, Tito's Still House Lounge. Great Tito's cocktails in there while their kiddos are running around, petting turtles and such. They can enjoy a nice cocktail in there. Now, the last time you were on, you were talking about some new hospitality areas. How have those gone over this year? We have blown it out of the water in terms of hospitality this year. This is our biggest build-out ever. 
and with those new hospitality venues, really it's our hillside suites. It's a suite that sits between 14 and 15 and has views of both double-sided seats. They, we have sold probably a couple more this week just because the views have been fantastic. Guests love it, and uh, we're trying to figure out how we can actually grow them for next year because of all the interest. Good problem to have. Yes, great problem to have. Allison Fillmore, our guest, executive director of this tour championship. She is the Ray Judice Interview of the Month. Ray would appreciate the uh, the uh, creativity. What? It's, it's a tough. I don't want to put you on the spot. Say what ideas did you did you hear that you didn't use? But there have to be some ideas that come up from time to time uh, that you know we just can't pull that off. We're outside at a golf tournament. How how wide a spectrum have you gone through to get to some of these ideas? We've had concerts here in the past. Yep. You've changed the entrance a couple of times. It just seems like everything's on the table. Absolutely. And the great thing about a golf course is that we can build anything, right? It's not a brick-and-mortar location like a you know Mercedes-Benz or you know Truist Field. We have the ability to create and build whatever we want. So, yeah, some things have worked. Some things haven't. This year, we decided to kind of stay away from from the, that shared hospitality due to COVID, we had a, a champions. Um, we had a champions club that we were planning on doing. We're going to put that off till next year. Uh, trying to really kind of think about build out opportunities on the front nine, just to get folks spread out and enjoying the golf course a little bit more. So yes, ideas they ebb and flow. And uh, if they work, we, we continue them. If they don't, you don't see them again. So there's been a couple of them. Let's just say that. <laughs> All right. Uh, later today, FedEx Cup, $15 million. That doesn't actually even fit in the FedEx Cup. Right. Uh, that's going to be given out right down there on the 18th green. We've seen such great scenes. We're, we're never going to forget Tiger walking up and winning the golf tournament. What's your role? Tell us about how Sunday evolves for Allison Fillmore. You're, you're not going to actually have to hand out the FedEx Cup, but at some point you might have to watch over it. Definitely have to watch over it. Really when it comes down to it for Sunday, got a lot of meetings. We're planning for next year already, which is awesome. Uh, but for me, I, I take place in the off-air ceremony, so I am there with a Calamity Jane. Uh, that is a tradition that we have. We hand over a Calamity Jane to the winner, which is Bobby Jones' putter, and that's where I kind of come in. We give all the pomp and circumstance to our commissioner. He's the one that hands out the FedEx Cup on the uh, on-air ceremony. I'm more of an off-air ceremony kind of girl, so... Well, Calamity Jane is one of the coolest golf trophies by far. And not to take anything away from the FedEx Cup, obviously, that is becoming iconic, but nothing more iconic than Calamity Jane. We had to keep the tradition going. We knew that it was something that the players absolutely loved. We get great footage with them after the event, taking that Calamity Jane and putting on the putting green. They love it. They tell, they say every every year that this is one of their most favorite trophies as well. So we really wanted to con- we really wanted to continue that tradition because it's so special being at East Lake Golf Club. This is the home of Bobby Jones, first place he played, last place he played. So we thought it would be very very important to k- keep that tradition going. And the last round that Bobby Jones played, he wound up finishing on what is the 18th hole now. Correct. It was, uh, I think, only had time for nine mm-hmm. or abbreviated after nine, and that was it. So that was the last hole he played where they're going to hand out the FedEx Cup. You got it. Do you think they were betting for $15 million that day? Uh, 
Probably not. Maybe a little less? bit less. Maybe a little less. I bet there less. was action, though. Uh, sure there was. Before Play we let you go. Man, his money. <laughs> uh, Allison Fillmore, the executive director of this tour championship. Too many people to thank. There's a ton of people to thank. Who uh, who do we need to thank for making all this happen? We need to thank our volunteers. Our volunteers are the lifeblood of this organization. Chuck Palmer, who's our general chairman, amazing man. Where, where is Chuck this morning? Chuck is running around making sure this golf course looks amazing. So last year we did the show from a picnic table, Ollie. We did. You told me that. Chuck just strolled on by. Allison just strolled on by. I don't even think we communicated. Just we were at a picnic table, and that was that a little more official here. This week. Yes, absolutely. Eastlake Golf Club, big partner of ours, Chad Parker and his staff. Ralph Keppel, who is in charge of the agronomy team, amazing. And all the staff that comes in from the PGA Tour that helps us run this event. We couldn't do it without you. This neighborhood, amazing. They put up with a lot, a lot of noise, a lot of traffic, a lot of trucks, uh, and all for this great event. So there's so many people I want to thank, and I'm sure I'm forgetting some, but... Really, we couldn't do it without the support of the Atlanta community and all the folks that are here at the golf club. Well, we would certainly be remiss if we didn't thank you for all that you've done for us. So thanks for being our guest. Thanks for letting us be your guest today. Appreciate it very much. 100%. Love having you guys out here. Wouldn't be a tour champ if you weren't. Allison Fillmore, the executive director of the Tour Championship, our Ray Judice interview of the month. Later today, she hands the FedEx Cup out the second time. <laughs> and the Calamity Jane. There you go. Allison, well done. Thank you very much. We'll take a break. We're live from Eastlake. It's the Golf Show on the Fan 680 and 93.7 FM. Two of Atlanta's best golf experts right here on Atlanta's Golf Station. Now more of the Golf Show with Brian Katrick and Ali Dean on Atlanta's Sports Station. The Fan. Sun has come up. It was a chilly morning this morning at East Lake, but it's uh, it's going to be something by the time we get done with today. It's going to be a little a little warmer. How about the bonus we got yesterday or Friday? Which day was just maybe it was Friday? Don't think we got got above eighty. Yeah, that was a nice day. Really, really nice. Final round of the Tour Championship at East Lake here, and that's where we are live from from the East Lake Golf Club, the former home of the Atlanta Athletic Club. The other side of that. Tudor Clubhouse. Actually, it's this side. I can see the crest from right here, uh, right above the, uh, you know, whatever that French word is for where the cars pull in. No, it's not a cul-de-sac. It's uh, like a porticagere or something. Portic, yeah, something like that. One of those things. I think I may have added a syllable. Um, it still says AAC. There you go. Right there. So really, really cool. Final group will go, I believe, at 2 o'clock. I think that's where they, they generally go at 2 o'clock. They want to finish at 6. Is this a two-man race? Is it just can't lay in a round? Yep. Ooh, 15 under Justin Thomas. You're not going to give him a chance today? I hope he does. I mean, I, Justin Thomas is such a good ball striker. He's such a great dude. Easy to root for. I just feel like Rom is is moving. You know, I feel like Rom is the, is the one that's been turning in the best lap times. You know, he's got... 265s actually slowed down a little bit with a with a 68. Cantlay started with a two shot lead, but Rom started either three or four back. Yeah. So he's he's closed the gap, much like the Americans. <laughs> he actually has closed the <laughs> he gap. He really did close the gap. Can I ask uh, a question, guys? Derek Thomas with a question. Say John Rom plays well again today, and just John mis- Rom plays well again today. Loses, uh, finishes second, third, whatever. Um. Say he particularly finishes second. He won a major this year. If he finishes second, he, 
uh, right here with what's happened with two COVID cancellations costing him a, a shot at the Olympics, a shot at the Memorial. He's still won a major this year. If he finishes second in this tournament, is this like the most disappointing a season could possibly be that you still won a major? Ooh, uh, no, but it's a great question. Uh, I think I think you can ask that same question about Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas could finish third in FedEx Cup points, could finish second, could still win it. He's five shots back with one round to go. Uh, Justin Thomas hits the ball so well that it looks like he should win every week. And he can't really say he putts poorly because he all he has is 15 and 20 footers, and you're yeah. just not going to make them all. So when you watch Justin Thomas play, you're just watching him miss. But the frustration is clearly building. It's miss, 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 miss. They're always for birdie. He's always hit it close. But he won the Players' Championship, so I think this is a frustrating year for Justin Thomas. But how do you have that frustrating a year when you finish second or third in FedEx Cup points and you've won the Players' Championship? Yeah. Um, Rom became a father. And he won a major. And he should have won another event. And he might be the player of the year. Yeah, I thought that's where Derek was going. Not that his question wasn't really a good one, but I thought he was laying that out to if Patrick Cantlay wins today and Rom finishes second by, let's say, a shot, it seems the media wants to give Patrick Cantlay, by winning this tournament, the FedEx Cup Player of the Year, does Rom have a legitimate argument that he's the Player of the Year because he's got a major in that back pocket? It's so, it's so interesting because this would be Cantlay's fourth win. Yeah. Now, this one doesn't really count as a full 72-hole stroke play win because he started with a lead, but it would be his fourth win. One of his other wins was the one that was vacated by John Robb. Robb with the, the six-shot 54 lead of the Memorial. Patrick Cantlay won that one. I guess that was my point is that, say, Robb does finish second today. He's had such a, He still had such a great season, but these two or three, specifically the Memorial, and if he were to miss this $15 million and just barely misses his shot to go to the Olympics for how great he's played and how much money he's made and how successful he's been. And, yes, he's a brand-new father. It just feels like it just hasn't quite been the season that it could have been for John Rahm. Well, I don't disagree that it, it may not have been the season that it could have been, but I don't think any player on tour that wins a major would be disappointed in that year. Exactly. That, that was kind of my point, is yeah. that it still feels like it wasn't quite what it did. And he's, he won his first major. It's been a great year for John Rahm. It's just so much he left out there on the table, I guess. The players that I've talked to have all given, you know, off the record, they're giving credit to Rahm for that win at the Memorial. As far as player of the year race, the players vote on it. The media doesn't vote on it. It's just the players. So the players, in their minds, are giving him credit. Not all of them, but I've talked to a bunch of them. Uh, that's who. That's who they're getting. But the funny thing is, the guy that he's in the tightest race with for this did win the, that tournament. The guy yeah. that actually won that. How do you give two guys credit for that tournament? Let me ask you your insight on this, because obviously you're closer to the guys on tour than than anybody else on the show. Is the player of the year that important to these guys? I don't know. I don't know. It becomes an interesting debate because that's what this tournament sort of is, right? Yeah. We're trying to hand out, for the first time ever, we're trying to make this the Tour Championship. It's just instead of just the last event, the last 72-hole stroke event of the season. We're trying to make this reflective of the season. Well, no matter what, with the elevated points in the playoffs, you could, you could win all four majors and not win the FedEx Cup. Very, very easily win all four majors and not win the FedEx Cup. And if a guy wins all four majors, that's the champion golfer of the year. That's the guy that had the Certainly best season. He's, yeah. So that's why I think we've seen 
player of the year take on a little bit more prominence here in these last couple of years? Because we keep talking about the format here, and the format here is trying to reflect the player of the year. It's impossible. So player of the year would be your regular season, best player, FedEx Cup's your playoffs best uh, well, player. Well, I think the FedEx Cup factors into player of the year. Certainly, yeah. It, it did with Rory. Yeah, it that's why I ask Rory if it's important. That's why I ask if it's important. It seems like there's enough out there that I, I don't know I'd be too concerned about in my player of the year. Did I win $15 million? Am I the FedEx Cup playoff champion? Did I win a major? Did I change my life forever by becoming a major champion? Does the player of the year really motivate me at all? It's, it, you know, I think I think it did. And I think the Brooks and Rory a couple of years ago. It was interesting. I think I think they got that one wrong, and and the reason why I think they got that one wrong is they gave Player of the Year to Rory. Rory had I don't remember two three wins, yeah. uh, good ones. I think the Players Championship was in there and the FedEx Cup, uh, but Rom had a major and a couple of Kepka. other wins. Kepka, right? Uh, excuse me. And I I, th- I think that Rory would have traded years with Kepka, and yet the players gave Rory the. You know, I, I don't know that, but I think he would have. He really wants majors. So, and they didn't go that way. So it's muddy. It's a great topic of conversation, and it's one that's going to come up. And the reason why we're talking about it more now is because this tournament is is more in the mix than it ever used to be. So you mentioned Brooks. Um, we got to talk about Brooks and not his battle with the Shambo, but nope. now he's got a battle with a tree root that could put him in jeopardy for the Ryder Cup. I don't see uh, this is this is very bad news. For, uh, for Brooks Kepka and, and American Ryder Cup fans. Uh, he hit the tree root. I mean, big. Did you see the picture of the tree I root? I did, yeah. It yeah. wasn't moving. And as, this was, as strong as Kepka is, that tree root was going to win. And it was underground. It was, And it was just in a grassy area. So he goes down, he takes a divot that's half an inch deep, uh, and this tree root is there. And a lot of times if you see the tree root, if you're suspicious, You've got that subconscious little flinch or whatever. You're ready to let go of the club. Brooks was full on. Here we go. I'm hitting this. And ouch. And that's how careers end. And I'm not saying this is that serious. Yeah, certainly we're not commenting on anything of the severity. But to your point, it did look bad, and it could be bad. It's it's got to be a couple days off, right? It's got to be. I don't even think. I think it's extraordinarily optimistic to say it's a week off. And if you're taking a week off and we're playing the Ryder Cup another week later, this is the wrong time to be taking a week off. Can you practice? Are you ready? Brooks had a similar injury with the knee at the President's Cup. Didn't allow him to play. Yeah, I think the first team practice is next week. So I, I think that's certainly in question. I know he's already canceled a charity event that I think he had to, or tomorrow or Tuesday. So obviously he's taking at least a couple of days to get some x-rays, figure out what's going on. Hopefully he's healthy. Hopefully he's healthy enough to play. It would be incredibly sad not to see him on the Ryder Cup team. Um, and certainly wish him all the, the health in the world. But definitely a scary situation, a lot of unknowns right now. Yeah, and and the, the scariest part, again, I'm the, I'm the eternal optimist. The scariest part is that he's got two weeks, and I can't see this thing being usable at the at the level he's going to want it to be usable in two weeks. Now, I'm not a doctor. I have no idea. He could he, It could feel great today. Could have just felt bad at the time. Let's hope that's the case. Uh, but... And hopefully all we're talking about is two weeks. And then in a month from now, he'll be fine. And it's just he missed the Ryder Cup. He did play a couple of holes after it. He um, did. I had dropped the club on a tee shot, I think. And then 
played out of a bunker and said that's enough. So he tried. Yeah. So at least there was at least the ability to still try. So hopefully, to your point, we're all hoping that he's okay and can play in the Ryder Cup. But for those of us who aren't intimate with the rules, does this give an extra captain's pick to Steve Stricker? Yeah, it or? does. Yep, he'll have an extra pick. He doesn't have to go to number seven, and number seven is going to be on the team anyway. So he's got six captain's picks that he's going to make on Wednesday morning. Brooks was fourth. Sixth is Patrick Cantlay, he's, and the points are locked. Yeah. Uh, seventh was Tony Finau. Finau's so Tony Finau is not an automatic fill the spot to get no. to the sixth. It's just he's going to be picked. I think everybody thinks Tony's going to be yeah. playing in the Ryder Cup. but Yeah, the American side, there's no rules on this. The American side can do anything they want. The European side, uh, with five point off the off the one list, four off the other list, and then three captains picks, they're not making them until another week later. So the Ryder Cup's actually three weeks from now. Now we haven't talked about the Ryder Cup picks, captains picks for the European team. We have not. It's complicated, and they have another week. Yeah, but it seems like we kind of know too, don't we? I mean, Sergio is going to be a captain's pick. It seems like it. Ian Poulter is going to be a captain's pick. Gotta be. So now we're Justin Rose, Henrik Stenson. Is that is that the option That's that we're looking what it at? Seems like now we're going to be we could be missing missing a player or two, but Stenson's making a late push with some great golf. Uh, Rose isn't playing right now. Rose missed the playoffs. It's hard to leave Justin Rose off, but if somebody's playing better late, that's exactly why you have captain's picks. Yeah. Uh, if you want to go on reputation, it may still be a toss-up between Rose and Stenson. So here's, here's I think, an interesting debate. Let's take Rose, Stenson, and Poulter. Ian Poulter, obviously, incredible Ryder Cup record. But Stenson and Rose are one of the most prolific Ryder Cup teams period. And you do play two days of team events. Do you pick Rose and Stenson and bring them together, leave Poulter off? I don't know. You talk a guy into going hitting a tree root so you can get another pick? I did think the best tweet of any of the Ryder Cup participants was Thomas Bjorn saying, I think we need to check on the citizenship of Patrick Cantley. I believe he's Canadian. Yes, that was really funny. So this is it for the Americans. Today at at Eastlake, they're going to say it's not a one-day qualifier. But Kevin Na's not in the top six, and he's playing great. Fourth going into today, I right? I honestly think Kevin Na can make a push. Tony Finau won his way onto this team. I think Kevin Kisner may have won his way onto this team. You're really looking at just a couple of spots. You go young with Scotty Scheffler? Do you, do you go young with Scotty Scheffler? Do you wait and see how Jason Kokrak does today? What about Webb Simpson? What about Webb Simpson? English is going to be on the team, I think. English is 10th. Multiple winner. He's, he's a great putter, and he's playing very well. I think Harris English has done enough. I think you get all the way down to 10. Daniel Berger. Uh, 11 is Patrick Reed. We don't know how healthy he is. Yeah, coming off that double pneumonia. Yeah, and and an ankle injury. So Steve Stricker has decisions to make. Today is going to have a lot to do with it. $15 million on the line thanks to Matt Vanderpool, Allison Fillmore, Derek Thomas. Well done. No pro football games today. We all knew that. It's the Golf Show on the Fan, 680 and 93.7 FM. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash john. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Hi, I'm Mark Beckham with Atlanta Ramjack. We specialize in only foundation repair. What is foundation repair? Foundations sink or settle. These issues need to be addressed. It only becomes more costly the longer you put it off. 
What is the biggest cause of foundation problem? Either poor construction, inferior site preparation, or weather. Drought causes cracks in your foundations. If you see any signs of foundation issues, please contact us at atlantaramjack.com.